Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth, and you're listening to episode 32 of the Simply 127 podcast. Today's guest is Arthur Woods. One interesting fact about Arthur is he's the first guest on the podcast who I've not actually met in person yet. We were able to connect a couple of months ago on the app Clubhouse. For those of you who don't know, think of Clubhouse as a live podcast with an interactive audience. Um, I fell down the slippery slope a couple of months ago and have really loved the connections that I've been able to make there. So anyway, Arthur and I connected there through a mutual friend and asked him to come on the show and just share a little bit of his story. So we're going to let him jump right in. And Arthur, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Arthur Woods in 2021? Give us a brief synopsis. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I currently live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So that is that is a lot of Amish and Mennonite and horse and buggies, and uh, it's a very, uh, very cool place to live. And I've uh, been married for just over 20 years to my wife, Liz, and uh, currently we have, uh, uh, we have a cat named Epi and a dog named Jadis. <laughs> <laughs> your, two, uh, your two kids? Those are my two kids, and you would think that that if you were bringing on someone to talk about adoption and foster care, they would say they would talk about the children in their home. And, right. <laughs> and, uh, right. Right now we have we have a dog and, and a cat and uh, uh, haven't been able to quite seal the deal on on a, adoption yet after uh, <laughs> multiple failed attempts. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit uh, today. Yeah, I'm thinking there's another question in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, great. So can you tell us a little bit about your work history, um, where, if you went to school, what you studied, and what you've done in your career? Sure. My, my history is, is, for the most part, student ministry, youth ministry, got a, a bachelor's degree and, and master's degree from Lancaster Bible College in, in student and family ministry. And so I was able to serve as a youth pastor for about 10 years and absolutely loved it. It was uh, uh, it was great, one of the highlights of my life. But after doing it for uh, all those years, I started sensing a, a call from from God that was really saying, uh, "Soon, but not yet, I'm going to pull you out of church-based student ministry." Mm-hmm. And I wasn't completely sure what that was going to look like or what He might be pulling me into. But I just, I went home and said to my wife, "I said, I don't think it's happening." now or in the very, very near future, but I do believe that God is is calling me on to something different. And as it turned out, he did. We, uh, um, uh, we started, my wife and I both started to develop more and more of a, a passion for orphan and vulnerable children. Uh, we had the opportunity as, as youth workers to minister to a lot of kids who came from very vulnerable situations and and uh, a lot of kids in our youth group that uh, that were adopted or were in the foster care system. And so as we kind of developed a heart for them, we thought, well, why don't we, you know, uh, we, we think we've done some good here. We think we're kind of good at this. Why don't we bring some kids into our own home? And uh, uh, And that's when we made the decision, well, why don't we start looking into foster care and adoption for ourselves? And and see what God has for us. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more? You just mentioned you guys both kind of began to have a stirring and a heart for vulnerable people. Were there other influences or kind of how was God directing you um, during this time? 
Sure. Well, before I was a youth pastor, I, I worked as a case manager at a residential treatment facility for uh, children and teenagers with significant behavioral disorders. And so I started um, I started working with with kids who not only had, you know, uh, these significant behavioral issues, but in almost every case, they had really, really challenging family backgrounds as well. And they had come from trauma and there were typically very good reasons that that a, a skilled therapist, you know, could pinpoint and say, this is why he or she is acting this way. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think that was my first start of thinking like, I kind of enjoy working with this population of, of kids from hard places. And, and I moved on from that and I became a youth pastor, like I said, and, and um, started to work with a few more kids from hard places. And, and we went through some pretty serious uh, situations with, with some kids regarding um, suicidal ideation and, and significant self-harm and, and uh, a lot of things like uh, sexual identity and gender identity. And, and just to be able to walk a student through that journey and to be able to be part of that journey with them was rewarding. Yeah. And again, like I said, it, it, it became like, you know, for my wife and I, why don't we try to, you know, take this journey that we're on with other people's kids in terms of, you know, the, the youth group, why don't we bring them into our own home and see if we can, you know, walk some kids through a journey in our own yeah. house. Yeah, that sounds great. And then I know you haven't mentioned this yet, but this um, season on the podcast, we're talking about the truth of the gospel and how it's central to the work of Caring for the Vulnerable. And I know you've developed some curriculum. So first, I'd love just for you to tell me about your project, but then also kind of your experience on how the gospel and the truth of the gospel really is central to this work of caring for vulnerable people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much. We we uh, about a year and a half ago, we came out with a, a video series called Trusting the God of the Gospel. And it's uh, you can go to go to my website and purchase it. Uh, it's a digital download or uh, if you want a physical DVD copy, we have that as well. But anyway, it has the premise of uh, kids from hard places may have some significant barriers to the gospel that many of us who didn't come from hard places don't have. So it's it's almost like a, a trauma-informed discipleship program that is saying, mm-hmm. here, here are concepts within the gospel message that might be difficult for a adopted or foster child to embrace. And one of the one of the biggest ones, one of the most obvious ones is is the gospel is really clear that God is our father. Mm-hmm. And for for many of us, that's easy to embrace. I, I had a good father. It's not difficult for me to think of God as my father. But depending on your experience with an earthly father, you may not want to hear that God is like your father. And so how do we identify that in our children? And then how do we how do we communicate the gospel? Uh, without changing the message, because we're not going to change the message of the gospel, but at least how do we present it in a way that is is more palatable to these kids that might be struggling with some of the basic gospel concepts? Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's important for each of us to evaluate the context that we grew up in and how that has helped shape our view of the gospel and also our relationship with God. I think this is a good transition to another thing I wanted to ask you about. 
most of our listeners are Christians or at least come from a Christian background. And I believe that the Christian faith is uniquely prepared, um, concerned, and helps us to focus on caring for the vulnerable. We see that throughout history, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even the beginning after um, the resurrection. We see Christians caring for the refugee, the hungry, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. And I would just love to know your take on what drives the church to reach out to these groups of people, and how has our faith uniquely prepared us for this work? Yeah. I like that question, and I like that kind of that theme that the podcast has been been talking about. And I think certainly you don't need uh, to be a Christian to have a desire to help other people or to feel uh, you want to see justice in our world. I think there's plenty of people who would not consider themselves Christians who have that desire, and, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with that. And as Christians, we should certainly certainly feel that. I think where, where as Christians, maybe we take it a step further is that we have an amazing message, aka the gospel, mm-hmm. to share with people in need. So while we want to take very seriously the physical, the mental, the emotional needs of people in crisis, and, and if there's things that we can do, we should be working hard to do that. The nice thing is we can always couple that with the gospel message was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and understanding that that these people with physical needs, they also have spiritual needs. And as Christians, we can help them through that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit um, and talk about just, I know we've talked off, off recording personally, <laughs> um, your journey with a couple of failed adoptions or maybe some foster placements. And I know I shared with you, I have one of each of those myself. And so uh, I would love to know as, what you're comfortable sharing about your story and how you kind of you know took the plunge to even go through the process. And then maybe just a word of encouragement for some listeners who might be either trying to decide whether to take the plunge or maybe they've had similar experiences to us. Sure. Well, you know, I, as as you and I both know, adoption and foster care is the easiest thing that you'll ever uh, do in your entire life. <laughs> right, <It> right. Is, <laughs> there's never any problems. Everything goes well. So if you're if you're listening and you're considering, just go for it. There's <laughs> never there's never any problems. But exactly. No, we 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 certainly ran into our our fair share of of problems. We started our adoption journey about six years ago, and uh, we attempted to adopt from South Africa, and unfortunately that fell through. Uh, We had some kids from uh, from Ukraine, from Romania. Um, Those didn't happen. And uh, and then also uh, Kyrgyzstan was, was one of the most challenging uh, failed adoptions that we went through. We we had hosted two girls from the country of Kyrgyzstan. In, in other words, they came over to our home for an entire summer um, through a hosting organization, mm-hmm. and and we got to know them so well. We were their parents for about five weeks, and then at the end of that five weeks, we kind of had to put them on a on a uh, plane back to their orphanage. Which boy, that was that was heartbreaking yeah. to have to do. And the cool thing was we were able to host them two more times, uh, once during Christmas and then the following summer. So over the course of of about a year, they were in our house for about 15 weeks, which was 
incredible, as you can yeah. imagine. We we had got to know them so well. And during that entire journey, right from the beginning, we were pursuing adoption and getting paperwork ready. And and uh, the kids, that's what that's what they wanted. They wanted to be adopted by us. And and uh, everything was going going OK. Um, and then we got uh, the great news one day. Uh, Kyrgyzstan uh, sent us an invite to uh, to come to their country and spend three weeks on a bonding trip with the girls, which is kind of funny because we had already spent 15 <laughs> weeks with them in our house. You were bonded at that point. Right. We were, we were pretty bonded, but regardless, that's fine. That's part of the, the process, and we knew that going into it. So we, we flew over to Kyrgyzstan. We spent three weeks with the girls, and uh, we were with them every day. We uh, were uh, visiting their orphanage and and uh, boy, that was I, I could spend the next hour just talking about that trip. <laughs> but uh, um, but at the end of the three weeks, uh, we let the girls know that we were about a month away from finalizing the adoption. And we said, uh, we'll be back in a month. Uh, uh, in about a month, we'll have court and uh, and then we'll bring you we'll bring you home to the United States. And they were thrilled, and we were thrilled, and it was it was hard to say goodbye to them, but we we knew we would see them, you know, in in about a month. Mm-hmm. And then then it all just fell apart. And and I won't even necessarily go into all the details as as to what happened and why, but but just to say that that corruption has a way of of just ruining good things. And yeah. uh, and and the enemy has a way of of ruining good things, and that was uh, the last time that that we got to see either of those those girls. Um, the adoption wow. fell through um, soon after. Uh, Kyrgyzstan actually closed their doors to international adoption, and uh, uh, and eventually they did they did open them back up by that. But by that point, it was too late. The the older of the two girls we were looking to adopt had already had just aged out. And uh, yeah, the adoption was was over. And that was our first experience of just utter heartbreak of of seeing how how poorly an adoption can go. And uh, and that was tough. That was extremely tough. And uh, eventually we we were able to you know to move on however however well you can move on and <laughs> and we we started the foster to adopt you know right here in the united states and and uh uh we did foster care for for about a total of 2 years and we had different kids in and out for different periods of time and and but the longest was uh, we had uh, two girls with us for about a year and a half and um uh, um, it looked like we were going to be adopting them. Things were were moving along well, and again, everything just <laughs> fell apart. Yeah. And uh, you know that was only last fall, so that we're only about six months removed from uh, from that adoption falling through as well. So it has just been a a journey. Wow. And so I don't say this to discourage anyone from pursuing adoption or foster care i i think people should should do it we need more people that are willing to pursue it because there's a lot of kids out there 
Um, but maybe I tell that story more as just a warning, go in, kind of go in with your eyes open, realize this is, this has the potential to be the most difficult thing that you've ever done in your entire life, but also has great blessing and, and great reward. And, and while we've been heartbroken several times, we absolutely love and adore the kids that, that God allowed us to, you know, be temporary parents of for the time that they were in our home. I am going to go off script here, but you alluded to foster care and adoption being difficult. I think that's putting it very mildly. (laughs) So just listening to this unimaginable circumstance that you and your wife have been through in the last few years, I would love just to know about your motivation to persevere during these difficult times. And I guess just a more pointed question is, how can we see through the pain to the heart of God um, and still know that God's plan is best? Well, I think one of the most important things to remember is that whether you're talking about adoption or foster care, ultimately it's about the kids. It's about the children. It's about the teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it's not about us. And while, yes, we were excited to grow our family through adoption, and, and that was certainly part of our motivation, a bigger part of our motivation had to be, can we help children in need. Mm -hmm. And when that's your motivation, when that's your why, when you can can honestly say there are kids on this planet who desperately need a mom and dad, when that's your your motivation, it's easier to look back and say, well, we helped. Even if it was a short amount of time, even if it didn't go exactly how, how we wanted. The kids that have come through our house they have heard the gospel clearly. The, the good news of Jesus Christ has been communicated to them, and, and many of them accepted that news while they were with us. And, and I feel like that more than anything is, I can look back and say, regardless of what ended up happening, you know, the, the, the kingdom of God is, is a little bit bigger um, I don't want to say because of us. I mean, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who draws right. people, but God, but God used us to to bring some kids to Him, and and that's a big deal. And I think, in addition to that, some what these kids got from us was a view of family that many of them never had, and so while none of them ended up being our permanent family living in our house permanently, they experienced what loving, safe, appropriate, God-centered home mm-hmm. can look like and feel like, and they can know that it's possible, and, and they can contrast with with what was different about how they experienced family or lack of family growing up, and we hope that that's something that they can take with them regardless of of where they go next or regardless of what their family looks like, you know, in the coming years. Right. Um, I think that that is a good word. (laughs) Um, And then just personally, I feel like I might be projecting a little bit of my experience on this, so feel free to correct me, but I kind of went through this Um, really season of disappointment and unmet expectations. And I thought I was being obedient and just taking steps towards growing a family um, for me. And then, you know, God had other plans. So I'd love just to kind of hear the spiritual 
um, journey that you have been on with God through this process? Yeah, I, I mean, adoption and foster care is is a faith journey. If you are a follower of Christ, it is it is going to test your your faith. You know, because even even if everything went beautifully with your adoption and you finalized the adoption and everything was great and you had no problems, well the race is just still beginning at that point. <laughs> you you now have taken responsibility of parenting a child or a teenager who in most cases may have significant trauma in their background and and so that is that is going to be a a long a, a long long journey. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you kind of summed it up in um a concise way, so that's good. Um Okay, I feel like we've opened a lot of cans of worms, and so I kind of want to try to land the plane with thinking um, just holistically, people who are listening who might just be getting their first toe in the water of this whole world, maybe some words of wisdom, advice you would share with people who are maybe where you and your wife were years ago as God first began to stir your heart. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. We started our adoption journey, I think, the way probably many people did. You know absolutely nothing about it, and so you say, "Well, let me go to the Google machine and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess start to educate myself here." <laughs> so we uh, we went to Google, and of course, we typed in in adoption and. And these days, you type in adoption, it's it's more about adopting pets than it is uh, children. <laughs> But still, you get a, a million different adoption websites and, and foster care websites. And, and we were like, all right, well, we can't spend you know the next 14 years looking at every single one of these websites. So we, we have to dial this down a little bit. So we ended up uh, going to our local adoption agency, foster and adoption agency, and they offered uh, some – some classes, some educational classes. Mm -hmm. And I think this is pretty common for adoption agencies. So I, it, this wouldn't be unique uh, to our location. I'm, I'm pretty sure anywhere in, in the country, you can get these, these classes. And it really just spoke to the differences between international adoption, uh, domestic adoption and foster care, uh, answered a lot of questions for us and then kind of gave us the, the tools to be able to make a decision in terms of which do we want to pursue? And uh, uh, our, our original decision was to pursue international adoption. Um, yeah. And, and then I, I know, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say to, to your point earlier of, you know, you thought God was, was calling you to adopt and, and uh, uh, or at least to foster. And then that fell through. You know, because we've we've experienced the same thing, and I think the way I've I've looked at it is, God called us to pursue that. I, I do believe that. I I don't since our adoptions fell through. I don't believe like oh I guess we misheard God. Yeah. Uh, I guess he we weren't supposed to to do this. I think for whatever reasons we were to pursue uh, adoption and foster care the way we did, and uh, for whatever reasons it it didn't work out. And who knows what the future holds. But uh, we believe that that we did what God was calling us to do, and and in this situation, it just didn't work out the way that we thought that it might. But uh, thankfully, God knows how those things are going to work out. <laughs> thankfully, uh, we're not God, and 
we don't have to know all the answers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, can you tell everybody just a little bit about how they can find you? Um, I know we'll put in the show notes about your the curriculum, the God of the Gospel. Um, but any if anybody has any questions, how can they reach you? Sure. Well, if anyone's interested in the uh, the curriculum, especially if if you are uh, a parent of an adopted or foster teenager, uh, it's trustingthegodofthegospel.com. Okay. And you can get all the all the information there. Um, but if you're interested in just more information about me, or you have an event you'd like me to come uh, to come speak at, um, I'd love to love to partner with people in that area. Uh, you can look me up at arthurcwoods.com, and that uh, C is just a middle initial C, arthurcwoods.com. And uh, uh, all my socials are Arthur C. Woods as well, so I'm usually pretty easy to find on, on social media. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Arthur, and um, hopefully we can continue to find ways to work together in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much, Sarah Beth. Thanks so much for listening today and for continuing to listen to the Simply 127 podcast. We did enjoy our spring break, but we're planning to release episodes every other week from now to the distant future. <laughs> we'll keep you updated. Word of mouth is definitely our best marketing strategy right now. And we'd love for you to rate, review, or share this podcast with a friend. If you have any upcoming guest recommendations or questions, feel free to email us at simply127 at 127worldwide.org. That's simply127 at 127worldwide.org. And as always, you can check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply127. Thanks so much and have a great day.